Chapter 14 The Rivermen's Arms Waterloo Station is impressive. The graphics and the work they've put into making it 3D and real is stunning. The arches and circles of ironwork go way up, and I see silhouettes of pigeons shuffle in the shadows. It even smells of coal and smoke. I learned from the wiki that Waterloo is only newly opened in 1922. The letters of the London and South Western Railway are displayed on the stained glass windows. Lacoze seems to know where he's going and leads us through the busy station concourse. I look up at the station clock, circular with black hands on a wide face, as it ticks away the seconds, suspended above the main waiting area of the station. We purchase our tickets at the ticket office and board the train from Platform 7 that's heading to Reading. There's a map in the carriage which shows all the stations on the line, and I see Mortlake is just after North Sheen. We have second-class tickets and we sit in a compartment on our own, just us three. I don't mind which way I face, but Ailsa says she wants to face the way the train is going. I sit, curiously excited as the train builds up its head of steam. The guards on the platform whistle as the last passengers climb on board. Then, with a judder, the train starts to move. I've never been on a steam train before. I can't resist opening the window and sticking my head out. Lacoze looks at me and raises his eyebrows, but he doesn't say anything. Suddenly I pull my face in because sparks and dust carried in the stream of steam get in my eye. One moat burns and I'm wiping it out when Ailsa offers me her cotton handkerchief. The journey takes around 25 minutes and I count the stations down until the train comes to a halt and the guard on the platform announces, Mortlake, all passengers from Mortlake disembark. Mortlake Station is in the centre of the village. In these days, the village is separated from London by fields and orchards. Leaving the station, I buy a newspaper. I can't resist it. The detail of the game is phenomenal. There's a story about Adolf Hitler making his first public speech after the Bavarian government lifted a ban on him. In Texas, a law against black people voting is declared unconstitutional. Out of the station, we walk along the high street past the White Hart pub. The barman comes out to collect glasses that someone's left on the table outside. Ailsa said, Excuse me, we understand the Elizabethan mathematician Dr. John Dee used to live in Mortlake. In real life, the question would be absurd, but this is a game and the guy takes it in good part. He rubs both his hands on his white apron. I wouldn't know much about that. I don't know much about mathematicians. I wonder who scripted that. He must have laughed as he put the words into the mouth of a barman NPC. The Coase is habitually irritated. He glares at the guy. Come on, it's probably the most interesting thing that ever happened to this godforsaken place. The barman narrows his eyes. I don't like your tone. The Coase's hard face doesn't change. He doesn't care that the NPC doesn't like his tone. Where's Dr. John Dee's house? Simple as that. The barman shrugs. It's not down now. It was between the church and the river. Thank you, the Coase says. That wasn't too hard, was it? The man sneers and walks back into the pub. Got away with people, haven't you, I say. Lacoze laughs to himself but doesn't reply. As we walk on, Elsa says, So he did know. Why wouldn't he tell us? Before I can reply, Lacoze says, Some people are just arseholes. Even NPCs, I say. Elsa blushes. I don't think she's used to swear words. Well, he must have been programmed to be like that, Elsa says. Lacoze smiles. You have a way of seeing the best in people, even when it's not justified. We're walking along the high street, parallel to the river, but we can't see the river except where there are breaks in the houses. Some of the houses look really old here. When we get up to the church, I look around. 
So it's supposed to have been between the church and the river and just opposite the church. I point to a much more modern house. It must have been there. No shit, Sherlock, Lacoz says. I turn, like I said, you have a way with people, an unpleasant one. He's taken off his hat and smiles and twirls his hat between his fingers. I don't know I'm being unpleasant, I'm just being me. Maybe the two are the same thing. Ailsa holds up her hand. Boys, we've got a job to do. Let's get on with the quest. She's right, I do my best to ignore Lacoz. So, I say, Dee's house was knocked down. I don't know what we expected anyway. Ailsa says the pamphlet just says Dee lived here and that's our only lead. I say, but these quests are meant to be solved. There must be some way of progressing. Lacoz points. There's a pub there, the Riverman's Arms. It's about time for another drink. As we set off, I say, I didn't think you could be an alcoholic in a game. Lacoz ignores me, Elsa laughs, I continue, but it's very real, this game. What you do here really affects you. Maybe you can get addicted to virtual beer. I'm hinting at death in the game, but neither of them show any sign they realise that. But it's true what I say about the beer. I remember feeling a vague alcohol buzz from my pint of beer in London. It's astounding how they manage that, but they do. Lacoz is way ahead. We follow him into a rather dingy pub. It looks Victorian, but there are signs it's older. The warped walls and uneven ceiling in between heavy beams. A couple of locals sit round the bar, and they're clearly drawn to look inbred and moronic. They have brown hoods up, as if they're frightened of showing their faces. The place smells damp. I step up to the bar and the barman says without a smile, What'll it be? He's staring at Ailsa, and I realise it's unusual for women to be in a public bar in 1927. As if reading my thoughts, the barman points, The saloon bar's through there. I'm sure your wife will prefer that. I'm about to protest Ailsa isn't my wife when I realise being in a pub with a woman who isn't your wife is even more scandalous than if you're married. Lacoz nods at the barman. I think she would prefer to go to the other bar, your uh, clientele don't look up to intelligent conversation. An oaf in a brown hood grunts. Lacoz and Ailsa go through to the saloon bar. I order two pints of bitter and a gin and tonic and carry the three drinks through after them. We sit and I sip the beer, wiping the froth from my top lip. I glance round at the tobacco-stained walls and ceiling. The place looks ancient. I figure this pub has been built on the site of Dee's house, or pretty near to it. For once, Lacoz doesn't argue. Ailsa says, usually in this game, you get clues through books or even interrogating NPCs, but the NPCs here don't seem to know anything and there are no books. She smiles winningly. I don't know where we go from here. We don't know what the NPCs know. The barman at the other pub wasn't very helpful. I stand. I'll go and ask the guy here if you like. Lacoz shrugs. You go. I'll wait here with Elsa. The barman looks blankly at me when I ask about D. Surly even. His hometown boys say nothing, just sip their warm beer and play dominoes. I return to Elsa and Lacoz and tell them the results. Thanks for going though. It was worth checking. Elsa beams up. Lacoz says, we could have a dig around the village. Perhaps there's some clue in the churchyard. Is Dee buried in the church? I don't know, but I must admit it isn't a bad idea. There may be something in the church that'll give us a further clue in the quest of the red powder. Lacoz knocks back his pint and I leave mine. Ailsa has long finished her G&T. She drank it fast and I wonder if she's nervous. Night has fallen when we step outside. Once again, I'm reminded that game time is faster than real life time. The church is just by the main street and there's an electric light on its porch which casts a yellow glow over the ancient tombstones. 
we walk through the lich gate and up the stone flagged path to the church door. The wooden door isn't locked when I try the handle, though there's a handwritten notice on it asking us to close the door after us to make sure birds don't come in and get trapped. Oh, I don't like the sound of that, Ailsa says. I'm frightened of birds. They're not real birds, Lacoste says. This is just a game. Nothing's real here. Except maybe your death. I remember Miranda, and I'm guilty I've forgotten her. I'll do this quest, learn more about the game, and go and look for her. It's dark inside the church. The yellow sodium light from outside slants in through old windows and gives hardly any light. The darkness is so thick, you can almost taste it. Something scurries and Ailsa starts back. Lacoste grabs her elbow and they both laugh. A mouse, he says. It was a pretty big mouse from the sound. I listen, but silence reigns now. The interior smells of Bibles and damp wood. Lacoste pulls an electric torch from his inventory and flashes it around the church. I guess we're looking for some inscription mentioning D, something to explain why the quest has brought us here. After fifteen minutes of walking between the pews and shining the light on old brasses, we realise there's no such inscription in the church. Outside then, Ailsa says, we could look at the gravestones. We spend a further thirty minutes looking around the tombstones in the churchyard, meticulously row after row of stones that teeter like bad teeth, or that have fallen long since and are now fringed with rank grass. There's nothing there either. Once again I hear that noise. Whatever it was is in the graveyard now. It makes me nervous. I peer round in the dark. Lacoste is watching me, but I don't let on I've heard anything. I don't want to give him any more excuses to mock me. Eventually, Ailsa says, this is so frustrating. Then I have a thought. You say you have mediumship skills. Ailsa nods and realises what I'm suggesting. That's a very good idea, Adam. I wonder if this is the way to get the clue. Lacoste shakes his head. There must be some other way of solving this. Not every player will have skills in mediumship. They can't count on that. It wouldn't be fair. I feel my temper fraying. Well, if there is another way, we haven't found it. Let's go with this. I think he's against the idea just because it was me who suggested it. Ailsa strokes his arm. Come on, Christian, give me a chance. He smiles and says something I don't hear, but she laughs. That's par for the course. We make our way back to the street. Outside the yellow splash of streetlight, it's pitch black now. We walk down the high street and stand around, not knowing where to go. The coast stares at me. A seance, eh? You can't be suggesting we hold a seance in the middle of the street. We could go back to the pub, Ailsa says. I glance over to the riverman's arms. It looks even more run down now it's dark. The coast says, that dump. Ailsa grins. Maybe they've got a room they could hire out to us. We could say we're the historical society meeting, or I don't know, a travelling bridge club. Whatever she says amuses him, he shrugs, or Russian secret agents. That makes her giggle. We go back to the pub and I ask the landlord whether he has a room we could use for a meeting. The place hasn't got any fuller in our absence. The same hooded guests sit around the tables in the gloom. The smell of fish in rivers is almost overpowering. We've got a room, he says. It'll cost you a shilling to hire. That seems steep. I'm about to haggle when Lacoste flips him a silver shilling coin. The barman catches it and with a fishy grin says, Dan, just up the stairs, you can't miss it. There's something about that guy I don't like. He even gives off a vague river smell like he's soaked in dirty Thames water. We go up the creaky stairs. There's no carpet on them. 
neither is there any carpet in the small room that serves as a small function room. It overlooks the back of the pub over a sloping slate roof and towards the River Thames. I watch the river barges as they ply their trade up and down river, lights at their bows and sterns. The river smell is stronger here. The wallpaper is dingy and old. Good job we're not here for the ambience. We all sit. So, how do you do this then? Lacoste says. I guess we hold hands. Would you like that, Adam? I ignore him. What do we do, Elsa? She says brightly. We could hold hands. I take Elsa's hand in my right and Lacoste's in my left. Once again, the magic of the game makes it feel like I'm really holding warm human hands. I'm about to ask what we do next when I see Elsa's eyes have already flicked closed. I look over to Lacoste to see what he's thinking, but his gaze is fixed on Elsa and he doesn't acknowledge me. We sit there for three minutes and I think nothing is going to happen, when suddenly Ailsa speaks in a little girl's voice. I am Madimi. My master won't let me stay long. How may I help you? Like he's been waiting for this, Lacoste says. Who is your master? Is it John D? Ailsa titters. In Madimi's voice she answers, Oh, John D is not my master, but I know him. I lean forward, still holding Ailsa's hand. Is John D there? Ailsa turns her face towards me but doesn't open her eyes. Madimi says, Oh, John D is here. Then, as if she's addressing someone else, Should we allow him to speak to them? Lacoste says, Who's we? Ailsa stares at Lacoste with her closed eyes. That would be telling. Lacoste says, Who do you work for? If it's not D, who is it? Who's your master? This isn't going the right way. It doesn't matter who Madimi's master is. We're on the quest of the red powder. The only clue we have points to Dr. John D. I don't even know why he's asking. I interrupt him, and he glares at me but lets me talk. Madimi, can you bring Dr. John D? I would like to talk to him. There's a pause of around 20 seconds until an older man's voice comes through, speaking archaic English. What dost thou want, pray tell? Are you Dr. John D? I am he who asks. I give him my name. I do not know you, but you are a minister of the church. Are you here to save my soul? Dee's voice sounds earnest and even beseeching. In Madimi's voice, Ailsa adds, I think it's gone too far for that. Lacoste asks, Where are you? Are you in this room with us? I am in hell, the old man's voice answers. There is no escape for me. I listened to demons while I lived, and they tricked me. Lacoste is going to ask him something about these demons. I can see by the way he sits forward, his mouth already forming the question. Once again, I interrupt him. Dr. D, can you tell us about the red powder? Ailsa gives a hideous chuckle. It doesn't sound like D. There are others there with him, wherever there is. At least Madimi, Dr. John D, and the author of this vile laughter. The phrase, for we are legion, comes into my mind. Be careful of them, D says. They want your soul like they wanted mine. A pause, then D says. But there's a way to protect yourself. A choking sound issues from the corner of the room, as if Dee was in the room with us and someone silenced him before he could tell us how to protect ourselves. Dee speaks again. Forgive me, I misspake. Lacoste turns to me. They're letting him talk to us. He's right. They're only allowing him to speak the words they want us to hear. I just need to know about the red powder. I clear my throat. Dr. Dee, can you tell us where we can find the red powder? Kelly tricked me with that long ago. Lacoste says, but where is it? Can we still find it? Dee's voice says, in Glastonbury, in the ruins of the abbey in Glastonbury, you will find something 
that points. Lacoste says, so the red powder is at Glastonbury Abbey. I shake my head. He didn't say that. He says there's something there in the ruins that will point. Lacoste is insistent. Dr. D, where can we find the powder itself? But instead of D, the girlish voice of Madimi answers, Wouldst thou like to dance with me? We can dance round and round the table. I try to ask a few more questions, but Madimi prattles rubbish about dancing in the waves and the sun setting over a field of bones. Lacoste takes his hat off and places it on the table. Breaking contact with my hand, he says, I think that's all the sense we're going to get out of them tonight. I say, at least we've got another clue. Glastonbury. He nods. Yes, we should go there. He glances at our medium. Ailsa? Ailsa is still sitting there, her eyes shut. She hasn't spoken for a minute or two. Is she still in a trance? Lacoste asks. He looks worried. I remember Miranda again. Panic flashes through me until Ailsa opens her eyes and says sleepily, That was fun, wasn't it? I say, did you hear all that? She says, it felt like I had lots of people in my head. Not all of them spoke. Medimi, a little blonde girl of about eight, was dancing round. Behind the curtain to the side there was a man. I think he was the master she referred to, but I couldn't see his face. Then, another creature that wasn't even human. That's who laughed. Edward Kelly was there too, but he just sat watching. Edward Kelly's Dee's sidekick, is that right? Elsa nods. Yes, Edward Kelly was Dee's medium for many years. He brought through the spirits that gave Dee the instructions in the angelic language. The angelic language, Lacoste says. I bet that's a quest. A laugh. It'll be a high-level one for later. I hear the barman shout from downstairs. Last orders, please. The bar will be shutting in 15 minutes. Do you want another drink, Lacoste says. I can't believe it's already 10.15. Ailsa says the time flies when you're having fun. Do you want to log off yet? Another drink will give us the time to think about our trip to Glastonbury, so I agree. Then I'll log off. I don't want to log off inside a locked building I can't get out of. Breaking out would certainly damage my reputation score. I go downstairs and walk up to the bar. I'm carrying our dirty glasses and stand there to get another round in. The barman pulls the pints from the hand pumps and reaches behind him to fill up Elsa's gin and tonic. The game alcohol certainly mimics the effect of real alcohol. Very clever. He hands me the light brown frothy ale. I wink. We'll drink it quickly, don't worry. I'm not worried, the man said. There's no rush. The police won't be checking here. We'll have a lock-in. A lock-in? He squints at me. Where are you from? Ain't you never had a lock-in before? To tell the truth, I haven't. I check the wiki and it tells me a lock-in is a practice in out-of-the-way pubs in the United Kingdom after they're supposed to be closed. The barman draws the curtains and locks the pub doors and business goes on as usual. Even though they're breaking the law, it's generally tolerated if there's no rowdiness. I take the drinks upstairs and Lacoste is sitting near Elsa. They're deep in conversation, all smiles. I give them the drinks and Elsa sips a gin and tonic. Thanks very much, Adam. Lacoste tips his hat. Elsa says, Christian tells me we can catch the train from Paddington Station to Glastonbury. I guess if we go there tomorrow, when we log back on, we can all meet in the station. Sounds reasonable. Just then, there's a knocking sound from downstairs. Ailsa raises her eyebrows but keeps drinking. Lacoste doesn't even turn his head. Putting up a shelf, I say? That makes Ailsa giggle. More knocking and the sound of heavy furniture being dragged across the wooden floor. I get up and go to the meeting room door and peer down the stairs. What the hell are they doing? There's no sign of anyone, but I can hear movement. It sounds like there are more people down there than were there before. I wonder what they're shoving about down there. 
Ailsa says, do you think they're smugglers? Maybe there's a secret tunnel to the river and the smugglers are bringing in their ill-gotten gains. She puts her hand across her mouth to stifle her giggles. The G and T must be kicking in. The Coes laughs along with her. I go to sit at the table again and we're talking about what we might find in the ruins of Glastonbury Abbey when there's a further sound from downstairs, scraping and dragging. Something about it unnerves me. The Coes shrugs and I say, you know we're locked in, don't you? I'm talking fast like I'm nervous. The Co says, he'll let us out when he has to, he doesn't want us sitting here all night. Elsa laughs again. Unless he's planning on murdering us. The Coes is all smiles, but I notice he takes out his pistol and places it on the table. Seeing me look, he says, I'll give you those shooting lessons tomorrow. I nod, that would be good. Then the lights go out. Elsa shrieks. In measured tones, Lacoste says, must be a fuse. I say, our cue to leave, I think, though. I place my pint glass still half full on the table. Some light comes in from outside. My hand goes to my browning in my pocket. Reason says there's nothing to worry about. It must just be the fuse. Most likely, Lacoste says, but he still gets up and he's holding his pistol. I go to the top of the stairs and call, Everything all right down there? There's no reply. I repeat my question, but silence fills the stairwell. Elsa says, he's maybe going into the cellar to fix the fuse. The barman. It makes sense. But what about all the others that were down there? Lukos says, he's not as relaxed as he once was. I say, it sounded like they were moving furniture or something. If the way down's blocked, how are we going to get out of this place? Lukos indicates the window where the gleam of the lights from the river barges is vaguely visible through the warped glass. Through there... I step over to the top of the stairs again. No one's come up, but I'm uneasy. It's pitch black down there. The dragging sounds have gone, but instead I sense figures below me. There's someone moving up in the darkness. I call back to Lacoste for his electric torch. He flashes the beam down the stairs and steps back. What the fuck are those? Coming up are four hooded men. One of the hoods has gone down, and I see the man has gills at his neck and bulging white eyes. If he didn't look so real, it wouldn't freak me out so much. Fishmen, I say. A hybrid. You see something monstrous. Minus five sanity. The figures start to run up the steps and I slam the door shut in their faces. They batter and shove at the door and it's all I can do to keep it closed. I mutter, step back, I- I'm going to shoot. You've got a gun? Lukos asks. Yeah, I'm going to pull open the door and shoot. I hesitate. I want to time this right. I call over. Ailsa, open the window and get onto the roof. I break my neck, she says. Please, just do it. Lukos is behind me. He sounds more reasonable and less of a dick than he ever has. Step back, Adam. I'm a better shot than you. That's probably right. The door moves and threatens to come in as they charge. It nearly gives, and it's taking all my strength to stop them getting through. I I can shoot too, I say. Okay, okay, just move. He sounds very tense. Ailsa's by the window and she's got it open. Get out, Ailsa, I shout. She's staring nervously out of the open window onto the dark roof. What if there's more of them down there? I'm unarmed. And once again, I remember, if these things kill us, we're really dead. I wonder if Lacoste knows that. Ailsa didn't seem to. Move, Adam, he says. I step back hurriedly and the door bursts in. In a panic, Ailsa clatters out and slides halfway down the roof. There's a loud flash and a bang and Lacoste fires into the hybrids. They moan and shriek as they come for us. One runs at me. I fire. You hit eel hybrid for six health. I fire again and again. You hit eel hybrid for eight health. You hit eel hybrid for four health. Damn my poor handgun score. Damn my poor pistol score. I bet Lacoste is doing much more than me. He seems to have killed at least one of them. I fire again and the first eel man goes down. 
Critical hit, four times damage, 26 health. You kill eel hybrid, 50 XP. These are level 2 mobs, it seems. Another rushes at me, its fish mouth opening and shutting. The Coes pivots right and fires, he blows the eel thing's head right off. You're welcome, he says. Thanks, man, he winks. He's enjoying himself, he's smiling. More of them burst into the room, I fire again and again until my gun clicks. There are eight rounds in the magazine and I fired them all, hitting about 40% of the time. I have a box of bullets in my inventory but no time to reload. The Coes is by the window, he yanks my sleeve. Time to leave. I get the box of bullets from my inventory, but my hand is shaking and it's too dark. I can't reload. He hisses, Adam, get the fuck out. Do that outside. Another comes in and he fires twice, killing another eel man. Then reloads smoothly in the faint light of the window. There are more of them on the stairs, but they're waiting for their moment to rush us. Maybe it's true about the tunnel, he says. There's more coming up the stairs than I counted in the bar. I give up trying to reload and go to the window. Ailsa's put a chair by it to make it easier to get out. It nearly tips as I climb out onto the roof. The air is cold. A river mist clings to the slates, making them slippery, and I think you can probably die from falling in this game too. Ailsa is on the flat roof just below. It must be over an extension. Behind me, Lacose is still in the room. I hear him blaze away and see the flashes of his pistol until he too joins us on the flat roof. I think we can get down the drain pipe. Ailsa goes to lower herself down, then she stops. She whispers, I, I hear something moving down there. Switch on clairsentience, Elsa, I say. I do likewise. Now the mist is illuminated by various coloured glows. A green shape hurries by, but it's a cat. Elsa drops and I hear her land. I drop down after her, then Lacoze. We're down in the alley behind the pub. Looking right, I guess this way leads to the river. The left probably goes back to the high street and the train station. Station, I say. Elsa says, the last train might have gone already. Worth a try, Lacoe says, and we turn left, and I see a mass of red through the fog. Not that way, bad guys. Bad eels, Elsa says, laughing, but uh, it's nervous laughter. She's joking like death doesn't mean death. I think again, if she doesn't know, I'm not telling her. We turn and hurry down towards the river. The crowd of red is closing on us from behind. I can hear their slapping feet on the damp ground as they run. Lacoe turns and fires into the darkness. That makes them halt. We go on. We're nearly at the river, but our enemies are running again. Under a lone light at the back of someone's house, I reload. Lacoze is crouching. Ailsa stands, not knowing what to do. She's not laughing now. Lacoze fires. I turn to see the eel things glowing red and nearly on us coming out of the fog. I fire. 6597 damage. Kill. 50 XP. 7366 damage. Kill. 50 XP. And I'm out of bullets again. It's not a fucking shooting range, Elsa shouts. She must be rattled if she's swearing. I agree, let's go. We turn and run. Then we're at the lapping water of the River Thames by a wooden jetty. They're endless, Lacoste shouts, firing again. I turn. There's a long river barge moored by the jetty. This, I say. Elsa doesn't answer. She's jumped on it already and is untying the mooring rope. All three of us get on board as the barge slips its mooring and begins to drift downstream. You have stolen something. Minus ten reputation. The eel men come to the jetty and launch themselves into the water. Ah yes, uh, eels can swim, I say. The engine, Elsa points. Do you know how to start it? I shake my head. Lacoze says, I've got skills in mechanics, let me. Of course he does. Lacoze goes back and by yanking a string makes the two-stroke engine cough into life. It begins to pulse and the barge starts to move faster. I go to the tiller 
I have only the vaguest idea of what I'm doing. Lacoste comes up and says, let me. Don't tell me you've got skills in boats too. He nods. I say to Ailsa, I guessed he would. Wreaths of mist hang on the water. Lacoste says, stand there. When you see an eel man trying to get out of the water, fucking shoot him. By the light of the houses that back onto the river, I'm able to reload again. I see ripples as the eel things swim after us. One tries to clamber in, but I shoot it in the head. I don't kill it, but it lets go of the barge. I fire into the water after it, but it's a waste of bullets and I'm going through ammunition too fast. Another one comes up from the left. I turn and fire, and this time I score a critical hit. I fire at another to finish it, and... Critical hit. You kill eel hybrid. 50 XP. We're moving faster than they can swim now because of the engine. When we reach Putney, they've let us be.